0: Friends, the Lord be with you and greetings from Holland, Michigan. For those of you who are gathered and dialed in from near and far, some of you know that Hope College students are on a well-deserved fall break since they've reached the halftime moment of their fall semester. Check out some of these highlights from this year's fall launch starting with the ninth annual root beer kegger. It was a night of fun and fellowship, and of course, dance moves that Pillar Lawn has never seen before. John Brown describes the scene as the most ironic in all of Christendom, a mosh pit college party on the front lawn of an old Dutch reformed church. Does it get any better than that? And Hope College Young Life 2, in partnership with Pillar and Hope College Campus Ministries is also off to a great start as students have gathered on Tuesday nights to be in community and grow in faith together. It's a huge privilege to join with you in praying for and rooting on and walking alongside all of the Hope College students we are so blessed to have as part of the parish at Pillar. And as always, it's a gift to be together to open up God's word. This fall, we've already encountered some of the Bible's great stories, the creation story, Abraham and Isaac, Jacob's dream, Moses and the burning bush, and the call of Samuel. And actually today we're going to backtrack to Exodus, but before we do that, listen to these great words from pastor and author Eugene Peterson just to get the engines firing. If we want to get the full impact of the story of Jesus and the way of Jesus, there is no substitute for taking the long, slow, leisurely pilgrimage through the pages of Genesis to Malachi, getting that river of narrative flowing through our bloodstream, observing the enormous attention given to place and person so that the story is rooted in the immediate and the local, in the name people in the neighborhood among the animals and angels alive in those forests and deserts. We cannot understand the way of Jesus by means of a summary account of those 2,000 years of history and belief and worship that preceded Jesus. If a summary could provide adequate preparation, the Holy Spirit surely would have supplied it and saved us the trouble of making ourselves at home in that narrative country, learning the language of faith and finding our way around the kingdom of God. So with that to chew on and with that in view, let's find our way back into the narrative country of Exodus alongside Moses and Aaron and all God's people. So hear the word of the Lord from Exodus 16. They set out from Elam and all the congregation of the people of Israel came to the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai on the 15th day of the second month after they had departed from the land of Egypt. And the whole congregation of the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness And they said to them, Would that we have died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt when we sat by the meat pots and ate bread to the full? For you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. And the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I am about to rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day that I may test them whether they will walk in my law or not. On the sixth day, when they prepare what they bring in, it shall be twice as much as what they gather daily. So Moses and Aaron said to the people of Israel, At evening you shall know that the Lord brought you out of the land of Egypt. And in the morning you shall see the glory of the Lord, for he has heard your grumbling, against the Lord, for what are we that you grumble against us? And then Moses said to the people of Israel at uh, evening, when the Lord gives you meat to eat, and in the morning bread to the full, because he has heard your grumbling, that you grumble against the Lord. For what are we? Your grumbling is not against us, but against the Lord." And then Moses said to Aaron, Say to the people of Israel, Come near before the Lord, for he has heard your grumbling. And as soon as Aaron spoke to the whole congregation of the people of Israel, they looked toward the wilderness, and behold, the glory of the Lord appeared in a cloud. And the Lord said to To Moses, I have heard the grumbling of the people of Israel. Say to them, At twilight you shall eat meat, and in the morning I shall fill you with bread. Then you shall know that I am the Lord your God. And in the evening, quail came up and covered the camp, and in the morning, dew lay around the camp. And when the dew had lifted up, There was on the face of the wilderness a fine flake-like thing, finer than frost, on the ground. And when the people of Israel saw it, they said to one another, Manna, that is, what is it? For they did not know what it was. And Moses said to them, It is the bread that the Lord has given you to eat. And this is what the Lord has commanded. Each one of you shall go out and gather uh, and as much as he can eat. And you shall gather an omer according to the number of persons each one of you has in his tent. And the people of Israel did so. They gathered some more, some less. But when they went to measure it with an omer, Whoever had gathered much had nothing left over, and whoever gathered little had no lack. Each of them gathered as much as he could eat. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Again, that's from Exodus 16, and we are traveling along in Exodus, still the great story of God's Deliverance, the liberation of Israel from Egyptian bondage. Perhaps best summed up in Exodus 15, a chapter earlier in the Song of Moses, where he writes, I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and the rider he has thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. This is my God and I will praise him, my father's God, and I will exalt him. What happened at the Red Sea became Israel's earliest confession and a stock element in their worship. And the song of Moses has become their national anthem. This is a God-sovereign world, and the primary work of this God is salvation. So now that we've reached Exodus 16, we find the Israelites on the move again to the wilderness of sin. And when I first heard this, and maybe you heard this too, it struck me like one of the allegorical places in Bunyan's classic, The Pilgrim's Progress, something like the Valley of Humiliation or the celestial city, but actually the wilderness of sin here is most likely just a Hebrew word derived from Sinai, denoting the geography between Elam and Sinai. And so with the people of Israel on the move, there are three things I wanna spend a few minutes on as we join the Israelites on the way. And they are a hard truth, a hopeful alternative, And a gift for the ages. So, first, the hard truth. After hearing Exodus 16, you may now have the impression that the Israelites weren't too thrilled about their situation. They're coming from Elam, a place of refreshment and natural beauty with its 12 springs of water and 70 palm trees, but now they're back in the wilderness. And so I'm sure you notice. I even noticed it as I was speaking the text again, the frequency of the word grumble, also translated complain or murmur. It occurs seven times in the first 12 verses of Exodus 16, which is to say, and obviously to say, this is no happy band of pilgrims. And there's no doubt that their ingratitude borders on an idolatrous affront, the false nostalgia for the days in Egypt when they sat by the meat pots and ate their bread. This is right on the heels of God's mighty deeds at the Red Sea, the salvation that God and God alone has accomplished for them. The people of Israel Grumbled. It's actually a word I've been pretty convicted by as I've been chewing on Exodus 16 the last few weeks. Last Monday, I was flying back from a wedding after a weekend spending time in Durham, North Carolina with some old friends of mine. And I was actually working on this sermon when the gate attendant at Raleigh-Durham Airport came over the intercom to announce That our flight was delayed due to storms in Chicago and whether we were going to make it in time for our connection to Grand Rapids was in serious question. And you can probably imagine where I'm going with this, the grumbling of Israel that I've been thinking on quickly leaped the gap from the wilderness of sin to the geography of my own soul. While we did make it to Chicago, seemingly in time, the grumbling developed into a collective chorus with my fellow passengers when after arriving we remained on the plane, on the tarmac for another hour and a half as we watched from our seats connecting flights come and go. Some of you may have been in a situation like this before. It's an utterly helpless feeling from 7 in the evening till midnight I not only got to think about Israel's grumbling in the abstract, I was forced to battle it too. Now, of course, my intent here is not to discount the particular context of Israel's grumbling, uh, which we'll return to in a minute, but I do believe that God's word is always inviting us to imagine those very settings in our day-to-day where our obedience is put to the test. And this is the hard truth that I wanted to press into a little bit. What the old theologians call sinful nature, that we love to control, love things on our own way and on our own terms. We're prone to wander, as the old hymn says it, and prone to depart from our dependence on the Lord. What was true of Israel in the wilderness is true of us as well. And it's a hard truth because if we're paying attention, we clamor for control on the regular, both internally and externally. This leads us to the second thing we're tracking today, what I find to be a hopeful, alternative. Looking now at verses 9 and 10 from Exodus 16, where the whole congregation of Israel is invited to come near before the Lord, for he has heard their grumbling. The hopeful alternative from Exodus 16 is to return To the Lord, it's why confession is an absolute non-negotiable in our worship and in our lives where we enter the Lord's presence so that he can do a new work on us. And in God's word, we find key correctives like from the Apostle Paul. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. It's but one instance of a call to nurture a grateful dependence. What C.S. Lewis calls a cheerful insecurity that we actually don't run our own lives and that we must be schooled in habits of discipleship that help us to know and live the truth. And the truth is this, that we are dependent Rational creatures, to borrow a great phrase from philosopher Alasdair MacIntyre. Dependent, that is, we are not our own, but we belong to the Lord and to one another. Rational, we are not governed by mere instinct, and not every desire we have is naturally good. But we are called to pursue ends proper to human life, truth, goodness, beauty, wisdom, and righteousness. Righteousness. And we're creatures, that is, God alone is the creator. There is God and there is not God and that's all there is. We are creatures and we exist because God creates. The hopeful alternative that I want to claim today is obedience. A grateful dependence which leads to lives marked by joy and freedom. And one of the great gifts that I have is seeing college students uh, live into this hopeful alternative. For example, like I mentioned earlier, the root beer kegger, which I showed pictures of, a hopeful alternative specifically designed as an alternative to the rampant party and hookup culture that exists on college campuses across the country, and I've seen hopeful alternatives during this whole semester through my Young Life College leaders in intentional relationships with underclassmen and pursuing peer-to-peer mentorship. Or a hopeful alternative through big questions that these students are asking and the vocational paths they're discerning, not merely just to make a lot of money, but to pursue a life in service to God as stewards his grace and that leads to the third thing I want to mention this morning now looking at verse 11 from Exodus 16 where the Lord says to Moses I have heard the grumbling of the people of Israel but say to them at twilight they shall eat meat and in the morning I shall fill them with bread then you shall know that I am the Lord your God. I am the Lord your God. It is the gift for the ages. Despite our grumbling, despite our clamor for control and our desire to run our own lives, the Lord still, in his mercy, chooses to hear us. The Lord knows us and the Lord ultimately provides. The Israelites didn't deserve it And neither do we. Israel could never earn it and we're in the same boat. It's grace and grace alone all the way down and all the way through. So whatever your source of grumbling, the Lord hears. The burdens you bear and the pain you carry, the Lord knows. Your heart's deepest longings and hopes, the Lord provides. I am the Lord your God. Did you catch the echo here of the one who said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall never hunger and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Jesus Christ is the gift for the ages. He is the I am, the bread of life, and of his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. In the name of the Father and of the Son,